Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. The story of Easter is a story that's an, about an uneven exchange. I remember when I you know, was a young man, I was about 18 years old, and I didn't have very much money, and I found this car lot that in the very back of the car lot, back in the fenced-in area, they had, this, they had this car that somebody had traded in, and it was a beat-up Mercedes. It was a 1967 Mercedes 300D. And I, so I bought this car for 800 bucks. And it was, it needed everything. I mean, it needed brakes, it needed calipers. It, it had all kinds of issues, but at least it drove. And it got me where I needed to be. Sometimes you would drive down the street and, and the rust had rusted out the bottom floor of the car so much that you could literally see all the way through the car to the pavement when you were driving down the road. <laughs> when it would rain, my feet would get wet. I mean, it was, it, was, it was a beater, you know? Well, let's say that somebody offered me a brand new Bentley for that beater. Let me ask you a question. Would you take that deal? Absolutely all day long <laughs> if somebody would have offered me one absolutely I would have been glad to make that deal but that would have been an uneven exchange it wouldn't it wouldn't have been fair for the other person I I'd be going man really you want my Mercedes why would you want my Mercedes well that's what Jesus did Jesus took the penalty that was due to us and paid the price for us instead so that we didn't have to pay that price Aren't you glad about that? Everything on the earth today is based on exchange. You think about, you know, that we exchange time for money. We exchange money for goods. We exchange goods for services, you know. And so there's all kinds of exchange going on on the earth today. Just where I'm standing, just catty corner from me over in this direction is the courthouse. And in there, they have a justice system. And there's an exchange for the justice system. If somebody disobeys the law, then there's a price to pay. There's an exchange that happens, right? You know, you do the crime, you do the time, you pay the penalty, right? But the thing I appreciate so much about Jesus is that instead of, in, a, in his justice system, it works differently. Instead of us getting the due penalty that was due us, he paid the price instead. He took the penalty. He died for it so we didn't have to die from it. And I'm so thankful. Aren't you? I bet you you are. So thankful that he, that he loves us that much. You know, I think about this world system and our system of exchange. I, I did a Google search the other day, and this was my search. How to give people what they don't deserve. And these were the things that came up. People who don't deserve your time. That was one of them. Another one was how to stop giving so much time to people who don't deserve it. How, uh, or if someone won't work for your love, they don't deserve it. Uh, we give everything to those who don't deserve it. And there were three words that stood out to me in all those searches, and that was don't deserve it. We didn't deserve what Jesus did for us. And God's system is a system that isn't fair. It's an unfair system. 
It's, it's unfair to him and fair to us. And man, when you realize that, it, it brings tears to your eyes. You know, you begin to think about how much God has given for you, what he's done for you. Let me read to you a scripture that describes it perfectly. It's in Psalms 103, verse 10. It says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Fortunately, God is the one that determines what we deserve. Man, I think about sometimes the prodigal son. And I think about this, these two sons and this young son, he decided that he was gonna, he, he wanted his inheritance early. He asked his dad if he could go ahead and have it. His dad went ahead and gave it to him. And then he took off and he went to another city and he began to live a life of just partying, just having a great time. And he had all this money and it was fun for a season. You know, sin is fun for a season. But that season came to an end. He ran out of money and when his money ran out, his friends left. He didn't have any true friends. And then the Bible says that nobody gave him anything. And so he begged a farmer for a job. This farmer gave him this job, slopping the pigs. And when, when he was giving the pigs their food, he kept looking at it thinking, man, I, I would eat what I'm giving the pigs. He, the Bible says he was so hungry and nobody gave him anything. But you know what he did? He decided, I'm gonna go back to my father. He came to himself and he decided he was going to go home. And listen to how the father responded to him. In Matthew, let me get back to it. In, in Luke, actually, verse, Luke chapter 15, verse 20, pay attention to what the father said. It says that the son, he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This is a picture of God. This is how much God loves us, that he is always, no matter how far people drift from him, no matter how far people run away from God, he's always looking off in the distance, and he can't wait for them to come home. And then it said in verse 21, and the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That's the way that people feel when they fall away from God, when they begin to live a different life. Maybe they were living for God before, but now they're living a different life, and they don't feel worthy. I don't know about you, but I, I, I didn't feel worthy. But Jesus made us worthy when we received him. And, and the father said this. Listen to what the father said. The father said to his servants, he, didn't, he ignored what the son said. He said, but bring out the best robe and put it on him and a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. What's he doing? He is reinstating him as his son. He's showing him, you, you are my son. And he said, bring out the fatted calf, kill it. Let's be merry, let's eat. For my son who was dead is alive again. And he that was lost is found. That's the biggest thing that God wants to see in people's lives is he wants the lost to be found again you know this last week i had the privilege to sit down with a man uh, named jacob uh, his parents are come to our church and 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 i and he began to share with me his story about how god had brought him back how he had experienced a prodigal situation but he 
came back and experienced the Father's mercy and the Father's grace. Take a look. <laughs> He's doing it, we aren't. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Jacob, that's right. I like it. So, um, so Jacob, I wanted, first of all, um, to ask you, first of all, just about your story growing up. You know, I know your dad, Dan, was a, a pastor um, for years, and, you know, so you were a PK or a preacher's kid. So, so I don't know if that's the starting point of where your stories began, but I did kind of want to hear a little bit about how you grew up. I would say growing up, as a, pre as a pastor's kid who was, I feel like a lot of different people looked at you differently. A lot of people would expect me to be the goody good kid. And they'd be like, oh, Jacob won't do this, Jacob won't do that. So I'm like, all right, that means I have to do it. So let's go be the, the bad kid, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. Not really, but to an extent. But then going through high school, I feel like we had a youth group and there's this rapper called Squeaky G, and he was awesome, his testimony is absolutely incredible. But him and his close group came over to our church, and we just hung out for a while, and I feel like my relationship with God got more noticeable within myself at that point. Yeah, so that really so, turned you on to God? Or that, or that was at that a, point in my life, yes. Gotcha, awesome. So then what happened after that? Um. I just, my relationship was good for a little bit, and then I would say zoned out. And then when I was a senior in high school, I uh, went out to the desert with some friends, and we didn't make the best decisions, and we went off-roading in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, and we flipped in a four-wheeler, four and there were seven people in a five-seater, and wow didn't really turn out good. A helicopter had to come pick up one of my friends. Mm. And I feel like I was really shy about my faith then. I feel like God was just telling me I needed to pray over him just again and again, and louder and louder, but I was too shy. So I just kind of did it in my head. Yeah. But I feel like I could have changed. Maybe I could have changed someone's life. You never know. Yeah. And at that point, it was probably like a few years later, I realized that. And I feel like that was God giving me giving me a situation that I needed to be more outgoing with my faith mm -hmm. and not really be afraid to share. Yeah. And then I feel like at that point, my relationship got a lot better. So you crammed seven people into a, was it a Jeep, four wheel, yeah. some kind of four wheel drive? Jeep Cherokee. Jeep Cherokee. And I, I used yeah. to have one of those, so I know, oh my word. And you flipped. Yeah. How many times did you guys flip? It was front over end three times. Wow. Everyone got knocked out, crawled through the windows, <laughs> get wow. out. So. This is Dan, Dan, you're Jacob's dad, so you got the call on this when this happened? It was somewhere <clears throat> in around 12, 1230. Um, Jacob called and it was one of those calls that as soon as you answered it, it was crying and screaming on the other end that he thought one of his friends was dead. Um, and it was about a three hour drive from where we lived. So it basically, you know, where are you? What are you, where are you guys at? And he, didn't, he couldn't even tell me. He was in the middle of the desert, which, I mean, the next day we had a ping on a GPS, whatever those things are called. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
and it took us 45 minutes walking around looking at a phone with a ping on it trying to find the cars because oh, wow. it was terrain that you couldn't see over things and yeah it took us quite a while and <clears throat> the father of the uh, of this of the boy that invited Jacob was kind of humorous because he was getting upset with the son going you said you sent us a, a GPS tracker but it's not here and he goes no this is what we are and we we stumbled upon it walking around rocks and stuff <laughs> um, it was just it was just heart-wrenching to hear your son going through that yeah um, and we I literally when we hung up I called the other couple that invited Jake to go out there the, the kid and we all met and drove down together to see what we could do, what was going on, and yeah. being able to take care of kids that weren't even ours that were in a hospital. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting evening. And then I got a fiance, and her father invited me to a men's encounter. And at this thing, it was it was really incredible. By the end of it, after hearing all of these different testimonies of people that. These people had the roughest life you could ever imagine. And from completely black, they just flipped their life mm. all the way around. Wow. And that really encouraged me to rededicate my life. So I did then, and I'd say ever since that point, it's been, it's been going very good. Yeah. Isn't that amazing what God did in Jacob's life? And then his father, Dan, about you know, how, how he just continued to pray, continued to love his son. And that's the picture of the prodigal's father. He loves us so much. Well, years ago, I got an opportunity to meet a man by the name of Jack. And I, sh I had heard Jack's story before, but then I got to hear it again. And, and it was a story that really fits with what we're talking about. See, years ago... Uh, when he and his wife had their kids, their small kids, and they were home one evening, and they were putting their kids to bed, and they had already had supper. It was kind of late in the night. He got a phone call from his mom, and she was frantic on the other line. And she said, Jack, I, earlier at about 9 o'clock, your dad got a call from the security company that patrols the business. Uh, his dad was, was uh, part owner in a, in a company. And she said that the door was unlocked. I asked him to come and check the door and make sure that the business was secure and that there was nothing missing. And she said, he's been gone for over an hour and I haven't been able to get a hold of him. Would you mind going over there and just checking to make sure that he's okay? And he said, sure, mama, I'll do that. He said, I'm sure everything's fine. Well, he got in his vehicle and he went down there and he, he drove behind the business, which is where his dad normally parked. and. He saw his dad's pickup sitting there. It's still running. The driver door's open. The lights are on. And then he walked over to the business door and noticed that his keys were in the door. He opened the door and he yelled inside the business, Dad, and he didn't hear anything. And so he walked in and he walked down this hall that was dark and he could see the light from the exit sign. And he yelled, Dad, again, and nobody responded. And then he looked and he saw his dad was laying face down on the, on the carpet. And so he got down there and, and he rolled his father over to discover that he'd been shot. Well, Jack is a retired drill sergeant in the United States Army. So, I mean, he's a, he's a real kind of a 
kick butt and take names kind of guy, you know, and, and apologize later. And so, I mean, he, he called the police and called the security company and he started, you know, investigating to try and find out what happened. Well, the police came, uh, his mom even came, and then uh, the, his father's business partner, his name was Barry. And when Barry came, he brought an attorney with him. And he thought that was a little odd that he would bring an attorney. And so, you know, Barry comes and, and, and they're asking Barry questions and he won't respond to anything unless he looks at his attorney first and sees if it's okay for him to respond. Well, in this whole situation, it began to look like to Jack that Barry might have had something to do with this. And so he, Jack worked very closely with the police. I mean, he knew all of the policemen down, all of the detectives, and he worked during all three shifts. Jack would, would pop in and out and just make sure that his father's case was being looked at. And, and then he realized in himself, he said, you know, this thing's not ever gonna be as serious to them as it is to me. So he went out and he got his private, pri private investigator's license. And he started, you know, investigating himself. Well, they had some things happen. They had a couple of girls that, that they talked to that they realized had seen Barry in his vehicle uh, just before his father arrived at the business back there in the parking lot in his car. And then he had a couple of other guys that they had, they had been asked um, by Barry what it would cost to, to do a hit on a person to kill someone. And so as Jack is pursuing this, all of the uh, all of the information that he's finding, all of the all of the evidence that he's seeing seems to be pointing to Barry. Well, there was a challenge though. When Jack found his father initially, when he flipped him over and saw that he'd been shot, he did probably I think what every son would have done. He pulled his father to his chest, and he vowed to him that he would find the person that did this and make him pay for it. And then he looked to heaven and, and, he, and he asked God why, why this would happen. And so, you know, as he's doing all of this investigating, down in his heart, there's a problem. Something is growing and festering on the inside of him. And it's a spirit of anger and hatred and, and, and uh, revenge that he wants the person who did this to pay for what they did. And that's what we want oftentimes as human beings. You know, we want justice. And so anyway, he realized that, you know, the evidence that he had was good, but he wanted to start putting pressure on Barry. So he started to put pressure on Barry personally. He started to follow him to everywhere he went. He tried to run him off the road. You know, he, he caused uh, a divorce, caused his wife to divorce him, you know, because he found out some information, some things that Barry was doing that he shouldn't have been doing, you know, and he started doing all of these different things to really put pressure on Barry so that he would snap. Maybe he would commit suicide. And what was happening was that hatred that was on the inside of Jack, that revenge, that spirit on the inside of him was potentially opening up the door for something worse to happen. So the day of the trial came. They had all their evidence and, and so now it's time for the trial and they come, you know, they come to the trial and uh, Jack's got his family there and they're pretty 
excited because they're thinking, you know, justice is finally going to be served. And, and so they look at all the information and then the verdict comes back after all of this deliberation and the defense, they just had to try and figure out, you know, if there was, if, if there was reasonable doubt, they just had to figure out if there was reasonable doubt. Well, when this whole thing was over, the verdict came and it was not guilty. And Jack couldn't believe it. He was blown away. I mean, he just, this, this anger that was on the inside of him just swelled up and, and a police officer grabbed him by the arm and took him out into the hall. And he was mad too about the verdict. And he told Jack, he said, Jack, I know what you're thinking. He said, I know you're only gonna get justice if it happens you know, by your hand. He said, but let me tell you, use a shotgun and do it in Johnson County. He said, because they can't trace a shotgun. And Jack said, well, why should I do it in Johnson County? And he said, because they've never solved a homicide there. And they started laughing. But Jack was laughing on the outside, but on the inside, his heart was growing harder and harder. Now, Jack had a friend. His friend's name was David. And David was a good friend because he would constantly check on Jack. He would come over, he would call him, and he'd say, Jack, how are you doing? He'd say, I'm doing good, I'm doing fine. And he said, I would give him updates on the case and where I was at and the evidence and, and tell him everything. He said, but David said, well, all that's fine. He said, but I'm more concerned about you. How are you doing? So, so one day David came over to the house and he said, Jack, come on, I want you to go with me somewhere. So he put Jack in the car and he drove him to the cemetery where his father was buried. And he took him to his father's grave. He said, let me ask you something. Have you ever mourned your father's death? He said, he said well, no, no. I, don't, I mean, I'm because Jack had made that vow that he would that he would make sure that whoever did that paid for what they did. He never mourned his father's death. And so David said to him, he said, there's healing that can happen when we mourn. So he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to get down on that and lay on that grave and tell your dad goodbye. Well, he's a former drill sergeant. I, you know, he didn't want to do this. He said, he said, Jack, do it. Jack said, I got down on my knees. He said, I laid down on that grave. And he cried for 30 minutes. And he mourned his father's death. And do you know what happened? Through that mourning, his heart began the process of healing. So he said, when I sat up, he said, for the first time, that weight of anger, hatred, revenge was gone. He said he, he said he had this weight that he'd been carrying around, but he didn't realize it until it was gone. He said, and then he was free. He said, and the other thing that was gone that left was the desire to bring Barry to justice. 
little little while after that, David invited him to come to a meeting. And this there was this minister that was preaching, and, and so Jack went, and this minister gave an altar call. And he said, there's a man right here, right now, that you need to, again, give your life to God. See, Jack had been raised in the church. He'd raised knowing, he was raised knowing who God was. He had a relationship with God, he thought, but he had allowed hatred and revenge to get in his heart and to pull him away from God. And so he said, I gave my life again to the Lord that night. He said, and when he did, you know, all, everything changed. He said, at night, my wife and our kids, we would, we would pray with one another before they would go to bed. He said, well, he said, I remember, he said, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, pray for Barry. He said, and I, and I was like, I don't want to pray for Barry. I don't want to pray for Barry. He said, but then at the end of the prayer, I said, and bless Barry. And my wife turned to me and said, what? And he said, nothing, nothing. Well, do you know that he tried on a nightly basis to pray for Barry? And, and he couldn't. He, he said, I, I would pray. He's, he, I mean, he could, but he wasn't praying a heart prayer. He was praying superficial prayers. He said he called them flapjack prayers. You know, the flapjacks, you throw them up in the air. You might stick one to the ceiling once in a while if you throw it too high. You know, that was the kind of prayers he was praying for Barry. He said, but I remember the day that we were in a circle and we were praying and I prayed a heartfelt prayer. It had came out, out of my heart and I prayed the best for Barry. He said, nine months later, he said, we were home. He said, my wife was fixing a meal for the next day. We were having people over and it was on a Saturday night. And he said that she wanted him to go down to this particular meat market and get some meat for a meatloaf that she was making. And he said, honey, why can't I just go to the grocery store? It's just right over here. And he, she, she said, no, I want you to go to this specific meat market. Well, that meat market was down by where the business was. And so he, uh, Jack said, okay, I'll go down there. So he drove down to where the meat market was. And on his way to the meat market, he's almost there. And he looks down the alleyway and he sees the building, the business, and it's on fire. There's all these fire trucks out there. There's this flame, big flame, and, and they have the ladder trucks, and they're pouring water on the roof of the building. And he said, I remembered thinking he got what he deserves. And as he's pulling into the meat market to get the meat, the Spirit of God speaks to his heart and says, Barry's over there right now. I want you to go and apologize to him. And he said, me? Apologize to him? And he argued with God. He didn't want to do it. He went into the meat market, got what he needed, and he came back out. He looked over there and saw the, the business was now smoking. They got the fire out. He said, and the Spirit of God spoke to him again and said, You're, you need to go over there, and, and you need to ask Barry to, to ask you to forgive him, or for him to forgive you. And he said, all right, I'll go do it. So do you know he went over there? He stood next to Barry and he asked him what happened. Barry said, I don't know. The fire marshal is, you know, looking at everything and they're trying to determine what started the fire. He said, I guess they'll tell us when we know. He said, and then Jack looked at Barry and Barry began to get weak in the knees. He began to pull away and step back from him. And this, and his face turned gray and this fear came over him. And he said he nearly fainted. 
And Jack said, I, I reached out and I caught him before he fainted. And I said, Barry, you need to know something. I was the one that had sin in my heart and revenge in my heart toward you. I need to ask you to forgive me. Because I pursued you. I tried to ruin your life. I did everything that I could to make your life a living hell. And I'm asking you to forgive me. I shouldn't have done that. And Barry said, sure. And do you know that he began to talk to Barry about the love of God, how much God loves Barry. And do you know that they stepped in uh, literally just inside the business on this, on this other side through the window that was busted out. And he prayed with Barry, just standing 15 feet from where his father was murdered and led him to the Lord. He prayed with him to receive Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's an uneven exchange. That's unfair. But that's how much God loves you. Because you know what? Jesus is the only one. He's the only one that could have exacted revenge. I just want to read to you this scripture. See, we want justice, but God wants mercy. And in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, it says that God desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, God didn't give us what we deserve. And you know what? As a Christian, that's my job. My job is to not give people what they deserve, but to give them better than what they deserved. In a... In Matthew 18, you remember Jesus, he shares this story about this master who had a servant who had wasted millions of dollars. And he said, come, you're going to have to give an account for the money that you've wasted. And so, you know, he comes and, and the master tells him, you know, I, you're going to have to sell. We're going to have to sell you, your wife, your kids, everything that you own. And you're going to have to, you're going to, have to be in prison until you can pay for all this money you lost. And the servant dropped to his knees and he begged him, please don't do this. Please give me time and I'll make sure that I pay all. And so the master had compassion on him and he forgave him the debt. Well, then that man went out and he found somebody that owed him a few thousand dollars. And he said, pay me what you owe me. And that person did the same thing. They fell to their knees and they said, please have mercy on me. Give me time and I'll pay you back everything. And he said, no. And he had him thrown in prison, had, had his family thrown, you know, sold and had his things sold. And when other servants saw what the man did, they told the master. And the master was disappointed. In fact, the master said to him, he said, when some other, other of, of, of the servants saw this, they were upset. And so they came to the master and then it says, then the king, the master, called the man in and for, that he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid the debt. And that's what your heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. 
in prayer the other night, God said that spoke this to my heart. I gave you what you didn't deserve. Shouldn't you give others what they don't deserve? See, the way we forgive is the way we'll be forgiven. I want to read to you last one last scripture and then I'm going to pray for you. I mean, think about this. You go out to eat, right? You go out to eat and and the waitress, waiter, finds out that you're a Christian. Maybe they give you really poor service. You know what we should do as Christians, as God lovers, God followers? We should tip them huge. Give them a big tip. Why? It'll... It should, it'll probably convict their heart. They'll, probably, they'll come to you and say, why in the world would you tip me like that? I didn't give you good service because I'm, I'm giving you what you don't deserve because that's the kind of God that I serve. Man, I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. And so you may be watching this. And you might be like, you might not be in the same situation that Jack's in, but maybe you've been having difficulty forgiving other people. Maybe you've been harboring feelings of, of resentment that you hated what they did or, or, or it made you mad what they did, the way that they treated you or they did something that hurt you. Let me tell you, this is the day of forgiveness. Easter. Because think about it. If we forgive others, we'll be forgiven. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.